The buildings were an unsightly collection of recovered pieces from Camp Liberty. Bits of planking here, corrugated metal there, tree branches acting as joists and beams. A ramshackle village whose blue-tarped roofs dipped low from snow. Temporary housing. Although we often talked about marching out of there, it would have been mass suicide. It was the dead of winter, and they were still less than so emaciated they could barely walk. We'd rescued 75 of them from the Quonset hut that night, two months ago. But malnutrition and sickness had taken the lives of four the first week alone. The long winter claimed three others. We couldn't be on our way until all 68 of them regained their strength. Whenever that was. Argos and I stepped into the shack that we called home. It was nearly as cold inside as it was out. On the floor were seated Twitch and Flush, bent over a sheet of paper. Flush read a series of numbers out loud. Any progress? I asked. There's gotta be a pattern, Twitch answered, tapping the paper with his fingers. I just can't figure it out. And you're sure they're not random numbers? Two people with the same series of 13 numbers? Not likely. Back when we had been digging through the snow looking for building materials, we'd come across Colonel Thorson's body. In his front shirt pocket was a slip of paper. On it was written a long string of numbers. 4539221103914. When we uncovered another brown shirt and found the exact same numbers in his shirt pocket, we figured it was a code of some kind. So far, we'd had no luck translating it. I keep hoping it's a letter number cipher, Twitch went on. Those aren't so tough to crack, but if it's a letter shift cipher, then things get tricky. You gotta create a whole grid to solve it. Leave it to Twitch to know all this. He'd been blinded by a mortar when the brown shirts ambushed us last summer. Although it slowed him down physically, it didn't phase him a bit when it came to problem solving. The code was just another puzzle he was determined to break. In addition to Flush and Twitch, Red was also in the room, carving a cedar branch. Like Flush and Twitch, he had been in that original group of less-thans who escaped Camp Liberty. His shame for abandoning us in favor of Dozer was as easy to read as the radiation splotch on his face. There was never a moment when he wasn't making arrows or tending to the survivors. Anything? He asked. The same question we asked one another every night. Some yellow a couple hours ago. More or less than last night? Definitely more. And getting closer. It was not the answer anyone wanted to hear. I tossed some wood into the stove and poked the logs. As I stretched out before the flames, pinpricks of heat danced up my toes and fingers. Argo circled and lay down. He was practically fully grown now, the scars from various wolf attacks pockmarking his fur like badges of honor. Cat entered and we went through the same series of questions. Any yellow? How many? How close? That kind of thing. The fact was we were fixated on wolves. Could think of little else. They circled us each night, taunting us with their howls. 
their greenish-yellow eyes poking through the dark like devil fingers. There was never a time when they weren't on our minds. How much longer? I asked, absently petting Argos. Till what? Till they finish off the corpses. Cat shrugged. Another day? Maybe two. He bent down and picked up two rocks, one quartz, one flint, and began napping them together, making arrowheads. He held the flint by wedging it between his armpit and artificial limb. His movements were so effortless, you almost got the feeling he'd been missing an arm his entire life. Typical cat. And when they're done with the corpses? I asked. He shrugged. I guess they'll look somewhere else. The fire crackled and Cat napped the rocks. Then he turned to Flush and asked, We're still waiting for spring? As soon as the snow melts,